TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. What are we gonna do with our children? What are we gonna do to show we care? How are we gonna be there for our children when they feel that life has just not been that fair? Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Masks and Fathers Alliance Saving Kids, Kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know someone that needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, a yeshiva liaison, it's the end of the school year. We're going to come up to you. You may need a new school for your child. Feel free to give us a call, 718-758-0400. We also offer parent support groups, and yes, they are by Zoom. We have Sunday night with Dr. Brachfeld, Monday night with Dr. Debbie Ackerman, Tuesday night, Dr. Trisha Tia in person. Wednesday night, Rabbi Dr. Benzion Tversky. Uh, if you know anyone that wants to join the groups, feel free to give them our number. Again, it's confidential. You can call anonymously, describe a situation, and we can help guide you to the right professionals, the right inpatient and outpatient programs uh, for your loved one. So again, our number is 718-758-0400. You may want to jot it down for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, or someone you usually would sit next to in shul, 718-758-0400. So tonight, I'm really happy to have on with us a dear friend, a colleague, and I must say, I, I was hoping to also have on with us uh, my friend Aaron, but meanwhile, we have Mr. William Robbins and Aaron Garner, who I've worked with for many years, that is working with Mr. Robbins at Alina Lodge. Good evening, Mr. Robin. So happy you're on. How are you? I am very well, Rukhama. Thank you so much for having me, Zev. Thank you. All the good work that you guys do with Mask. It's really a pleasure to be with you tonight. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And I'm really happy to have you on because I know Alina Lodge is an amazing program. And I think we should let everybody know all about program. It is in New Jersey, and it is a wonderful uh, substance abuse program. It's um, 
close to New York, close to where we are. And I want to mention that Mr. Robbins actually has been with this program since 2012. He's a direct executive director of Little Hill Foundation as well, January 2019. And he oversees clinical programs and operations at the Alina Lodge and Haley House. And they are for a continuum of care and treatment. And it's so important for parents, Ms. Robbins, to understand about programs because when they're sending their loved ones, they don't they don't know what to even expect when it comes to um, how to do the admissions and what treatment philosophy and is there a program for the parents, the family, etc. So let's get to it. Mr. Robbins, tell me more about Alina Lodge and its history and behavioral health, please. I will. Before before I just jump into the lodge, I want to I want to just respond to to your statement because I think you're absolutely correct. Families not only are they searching for information, but when they do recognize that a loved one is struggling with a substance use disorder, there's the emotional component as well. And so there's so much fear. There's so much um, just anxiety and, and not knowing where to turn and confusion and guilt and shame sometimes and frustration and all those kind of human emotions tied into where do I turn to to get help? And so uh, I think you're exactly right. We want to be able to, to be a place for families when they are struggling. And so let me tell you now a little bit about Alina Lodge. Uh, we are actually one of the legacy programs in treatment um, in the treatment field and treating substance use disorders. Uh, we're celebrating our 65th year this year. Uh, we are a nonprofit, mission-driven organization uh, that has been around since 1957, uh, helping men and women and their families in their journey to sobriety. And so we've had a long, rich history of, of helping folks uh, that come in that are experiencing the devastation of a substance use disorder and then help them get back on track to living a sober life. And all that entails for the individual, but also for the family, because we have a really strong family component here. Yes. And I do want to ask, you know, um, first of all, let's talk about male, females. So we're co-ed. Uh, we've been co-ed since our, uh, our first year. Uh, we are co-ed, but we keep things uh, very, very separate uh, when it comes to the clinical programming. So we're on a nice large campus. We have men that reside on one side of the campus. We have women that reside on the other. Um, the only time that our men and women really uh, come into contact with, with one another are during meals and during formal lecture. Uh, those are really the two times that the uh, the sexes come together. Otherwise, they're largely separate, even though they're here on our campus. So we're co-ed, but we're doing all of the clinic work separate, um, men with the men and women with the women. So that's been um, something that's been pretty traditional with the 12 steps and AA and, and things of that sort kind of historically since we're such a legacy program. And so we've we found that it it's, uh, makes a lot of clinical sense to still do that. Okay, and let's tell my listeners the age that you accept. 
So we serve anyone over 18, uh, and we have had uh, literally 18-year-olds that come on their 18th birthday. And uh, in my 10 years here, I think we had one or two gentlemen that were in their early to mid-70s. We'll go as, as old as we need to where someone is reaching out for help. Um, so it's the full range of, of adults. Um, I would say that the average is probably in the, uh, if you kind of take everyone that's on our campus and you, and you do the math, it's probably in the mid 30s, late 30s. So we have some, some younger folks, younger adults, and then we have some people that are middle-aged and, and a little bit older. And Mr. Robbins, some people prefer being in a very small group environment and others would rather a larger environment so let's talk about how many beds you have so we have 60 beds and so we have the availability to serve and, and treat that many uh, students uh, is which, which is what we call them here at alina lodge um, but we actually tend to have smaller communities so right now we have about 25 students on our campus so it's not uh, too small and not too large so i think our clinical team does a really nice job of giving individualized treatment. And yet there's something very healing about the group dynamic and working with other students that are also struggling. There's a lot of power in community, um, you know, here on our campus as well. So I think we've done a nice job of finding both to be true. And it's important to note that you do encourage the 12 steps uh, program for your students? We do. So we've really integrated some of the foundational parts of the 12 steps. And for your listeners that don't really know what that means, uh, the 12 steps are really a spiritual approach to getting well. It's about looking at yourself, taking ownership for your, your substance use disorder, doing something about it. There's a really important kind of connection to a higher power. Uh, individuals can certainly define that. Many of our students define that as God. Um, and, and the rest of the steps are about really looking at oneself, taking ownership for some of the characterological things that might get in the way, the parts of self that get in the way of, of sobriety, and, and changing those things. Uh, many of your listeners might be uh, aware of the, the amends process. That comes later on in the 12 steps where you take uh, responsibility uh, to those that you've harmed and you reach out and you try to take amends. So that's a foundation for our, for our work with our men and women. But on top of that, we have very rich clinical programming. And so we want to use very modern, um, efficacy-based, evidence-based ways of helping men and women get well. And so that's both an individual and group therapy we might use EMDR uh, for people that have suffered from underlying trauma or anxiety, mindfulness-based relapse prevention. Uh, we actually have formalized spiritual counseling here. We have uh, a very uh, rich eating disorder for, for our men and women that are suffering from eating disorders. Um, and, and so we have a master level clinicians that are working with our students and their families to move them in a, in a healthy direction. You know, I got to tell you, Mr. Robbins, that I've been doing mass 25 years. We just started out 25th year, over 115,000 families. And I've never heard of any inpatient program that addresses their 
uh, clients by the word students. And I love it. I absolutely love it. It is so fantastic. We're all the students of life. But when one goes into a, a hospital setting and you become a patient and it's just a, such a different feeling than being called a student because really what you're offering is that they learn how to live within themselves and the world in a healthy setting, a healthy environment, healthy programs. So, wow, love it. Why, yes, did, you're you, exactly why right. did you, I want you to let my listeners know why Alina Lodge refers to them as students. And if you could also tell us what your typical student in treatment presents with, please. So um, to answer your second question, the full gamut of really substance use disorders. So that means anyone whose life is adversely affected by any of your common substances. So it could be alcohol, it could be cannabis, you know, marijuana, it could be cocaine, crystal meth, benzodiazepines, which would be things like Xanax and Clonopin. Um, the full range of whatever the substance is that moves people away from living a value-driven life. And so we assess when we take a call, uh, you know, potentially seeking out admission, we assess right at the front gate, how severe is this substance use disorder? Because quite frankly, there are people that have mild substance use disorder. So the impact of the use on someone's life is really mild. It's not adversely impacted to, to any great uh, amount. Uh, and then there's people that are moderately impacted. And then there's people that are severely impacted. And so we want to assess on the front end when you're working with our admissions team to understand the uh, the, the disease, the, the progression of the substance use disorder, what kind of impact it's having on relationships, the ability to work, the ability to live a value-driven life, uh, the ability to not have impact with the law, um, how you're managing money, et cetera. So all those things that have impact, substance use disorder impacts all those things to various degrees. And we want to assess to ensure that the individual meets the criteria to come into residential care. So we are a residential uh, treatment facility for people that have less severe substance use disorders. Then you'd want to do something uh, like outpatient, um, maybe uh, weekly therapy or going to a, an IOP, an intensive outpatient program. We're actually currently uh, providing residential level of care. So that's for people where they might have tried other ways to get sober and or the impact of their substance use is so great that it's having severe impact on their life. So why do you call them students? So we call them students. Exactly. You are exactly correct because they are here to learn how to get sober. And many of our students, not all, but many of our students really are able to speak some of the language of sobriety. Some of them may have been sober before. Some of them may understand uh, the 12 steps. Some of them may have gone to therapy before and have some insight into their own behavior and their thinking and their patterns. Uh, we want them to certainly understand and get information um, from a psychoed perspective, but we also want to see them begin to integrate some of those changes here on our campus 
so that when they leave, they have a really good chance of sustaining sobriety. So they're here to learn and they're here to practice things much like a student would in the classroom. So there's the educational piece, which is kind of the intellectual cognitive side of it. But we also want to see the behavioral side. And then really, Rushama, is really important, the spiritual side, because when people start to fundamentally change and shift spiritually, that really lines up with sustaining sobriety. So, Mr. Robbins, can you tell my listeners where you come from, what your involvement in, in all substance abuse treatment, et cetera, and please. I can, uh, and I appreciate the question. I, uh, I come from a family, I come from New York, and I, I come from a family where my mom and dad uh, w- was that family that sh- were struggling with, with a substance use disorder in, in one of, with one of my sisters. And so they were that family that didn't know where to turn to. And uh, I think the seed was planted uh, very early then in my, in my adult life. Um, but, but the other piece which was true for me was that I just had a passion for helping people. And so I went to social work school. I went to Columbia. And um, I ended up pursuing substance use treatment because of the impact that it had on my family. And I wanted to give back and be part of the opportunity to helping someone else get well. Uh, and I, I worked in New York for, for uh, just about 10 years in Manhattan, uh, ended up coming to New Jersey, and I was working in an outpatient facility and had the opportunity to come to Alina Lodge. And Rukana, it was when I stepped foot on this campus, it was just a spiritual experience. Um, it is an incredible place. And as you said earlier at the top of the hour, um, you know, it's not that far from New York. Uh, we're right out Route 80. Uh, towards Pennsylvania, and it's just these spiritual grounds, and it was tranquil, and and I love being part of someone's journey uh, from the devastation of substance use disorder to the incredible connection and healing that happens when an individual and then the family becomes sober. Yes, and Alina Lodge's campus is actually an ideal place to begin a recovery journey because, like you said, it's just beautiful. Um, the the grounds are beautiful, and uh, I, I can't think of a better place to go to start one's journey of recovery. So I would like to ask you about the admission process. You know, families need to understand what really goes into that process. So can you walk us through that, please? Sure. So the first thing we, we want to do is assess the individual substance use disorder and ensure that they're in the right level of care. So we have our, our admissions team does a thorough clinical assessment with the family uh, at times with the individual, but really the family is often the person on the phone with our admissions team reviewing and answering questions about the impact that the substances has had on the individual and the family. Uh, we also want to assess for psychiatric needs uh, and for medical needs to ensure that uh, bringing someone into our care that they're stable enough um, medically and psychiatrically uh, to come into our care. And so that's really the admissions is kind of our first point of contact with the family and they play an integral role of being able to provide that information. And then beyond admissions, 
the family plays an important role as well because we have family programming uh, as part of our treatment. And so that means uh, weekly uh, Zoom meetings. It means coming onto campus uh, for visits. And it also means, uh, depending on the length of someone's stay with us, the opportunity to do some more in-depth uh, family clinical work. Right. And do you offer the detox services at Alina? I don't remember that. So we don't right now, but uh, we are opening a detox up in just a couple of months. So right now we've been working with uh, other organizations that do a really nice job of detoxing someone. And then uh, that individual would come into our care. But in just a couple of months time, we're, we're going to have detox opened and someone can come right to our grounds, get detox and then just transition right into residential uh, care. Right. So just so my listeners understand you do the intake with Lena Lodge. They will help place your loved one in the detox program. They will help that and then transition them to Alina from there. Let's talk about how families can afford Alina Lodge. So we've changed some of our, our financing over the last couple of years since I've been executive director trying to make treatment more affordable to families. We accept out-of-network insurance. And so folks that have uh, health insurance that want to um, pursue treatment, um, we will take out-of-network insurance. And then our daily fee is one of the lowest fees in the nation. And so if a family is choosing to pay out-of-pocket, um, that is also available for families as well. Right. And ideally, um your program is minimum 28 days and they could stay up until a year. So our traditional, yes. Yeah, so it is, you're absolutely correct. It's a minimum 28 days. We have found our experience over the 65 years that we've been here is that the longer that people stay in treatment, the better the chance of sobriety. So while we start at 28 days and some people, that's all that they can stay. Often people stay uh, longer, could be an extra month, could be three months. We've certainly had people over the years with very, very severe uh, substance use disorders with many, many multiple treatments that have stayed even longer. But we really start at that 28 day and then we just use our clinicians to assess where someone's at and make recommendations about if they should stay longer or if it's time to step down to the lower level of care, then we can make appropriate referrals um, you know, with, with many partners that we, we trust and, and do good clinical work. So I always tell our clients that uh, when somebody goes inpatient, they're usually going in against their will. Very, you know, a large percentage of people are not going to treatment, you know, because they want to necessarily. It's not their first choice when they're addicts. Uh, the living an addict life. So we recommend that you be sure to have your finances in place uh, for more than 28 days because the first 28 days, they're really fighting it. They're getting used to being without drugs in this system. They have to get, you know, feel better in their skin. The second 28 days, they start listening to mm -hmm. what's going on. And then the third month is when they're actually great students, most of them, and it kicks in 
where they're able then to get the help they need and learn what they need to, to be able to live a healthy life with treatment in an intensive IOP when they go out and 12-step programs are recommended as well. So yeah, it's not just about 28 days coming in, getting out, and now dad thinks or mom thinks my child was fixed. It doesn't really usually work like that. It almost never does. You're exactly right. So we know that substance use disorder is a brain disease. It has great impact on the prefrontal cortex. It has great impact, therefore, on judgment and uh, decision-making, rational thought, et cetera. So families sometimes get confused. They think they have to wait till their loved one's ready to go into treatment in order to make that happen. You're exactly right. They almost never want to go into treatment. Uh, their brain is greatly impaired. So they're making decisions on their brain. So it really takes the family's willingness to push them in a direction that they know is, is healthy for them. And so in some ways, it is like dealing with, with a younger person, a child that, that can't quite make decisions for themselves. And so that first month is absolutely a, a opportunity to, to begin from a brain perspective and literally get your systems back online. And so that's why staying in treatment beyond the 28 days is the most effective. And that's our traditional way of, of working with folks. Right. And I know that I've been working with Aaron Garner, who's with you at Alina Lodge, and he's involved with making sure that his coach Ooh, there's a rabbi availability. Let's talk about that for the Jewish community, please. Yes. So we want to obviously have all those things in place for, for any of our um, students from the Jewish community. And so uh, we, we can cater to and have catered to for 65 years, um, you know, any uh, of those needs from your community, whether it's kosher food or availability to talk to a rabbi, et cetera. And even beyond that, um, we've had... Uh, various rabbis come and, and, and speak and, and even lecture. Rabbi Tversky was uh, very connected to Alina Lodge and our founder, Mrs. Delaney. And so uh, Rabbi Tversky, <clears throat> excuse me, has been on our campus uh, many times over the years uh, lecturing to our students. Uh, about wow. Order. I didn't even know that. Wow. So we're running out of time. Um, it's really wonderful having you on, and I do hope to have you on again uh, very soon. Uh, thank you for making the time, and I send my best to Ms. Garner as well. Rukhama, thank you so much, Zev. All the wonderful work you guys are doing. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, and let's always remember, we need to hang in, hold on, and hug tight. I want to wish everybody a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos, and I sure hope you had a safe Purim. And please consider to go online to maskparents.org so you can donate, so we can continue to do these wonderful programs. Tonight's show is in memory of Simcha Shmuel Ben Moshe. Thank you. And have a good night.
Are you looking for a place to go for a Pesach? If you're looking to stay local and want the greatest Pesach experience, come join us at the Doubletree Hilton in Somerset, New Jersey and meet people from all over the world. Exciting motivational speakers, non-stop entertainment, nightly concerts and barbecues. Come listen to Rabbi Pesach Krohn, Rabbi Gladstein, Rabbi Mechanic, Professor Lawrence Schiffman and our own Zev Brenner. Chef Lum and Chef Yuval, with their 55 kitchen assistants, will be dishing out delicious non breakfast, lunch, supper, and more. You can email us at booking at Pesach2022.com. Call us at 732-778-6762. Don't wait until the last second and then beg us to let you in. Reserve now. Booking at Pesach2022.com. Or call 732-778-6762. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-513-1652. 800-513-1652. That's 800-513-1652. Are you interested in hosting your own radio show and podcast, or perhaps a TV program? Talkline Network can help you get on the air from one hour weekly to 24 hours a day. Ideal for ethnic, foreign language, medical, business, and religious broadcasting. We also have full-time radio stations for lease, as well as FM HD channels. For more information, please call 212-769-1925. That's 212-769-1925. Or email zevrenner at gmail.com.